Hello, hello, everybody. I'm Michelle Archibald, and this is I'm Doing My Fucking Best, a mental health podcast for anyone and everyone. So today we're going to discuss the myths and stigma associated with having a mental illness and being deemed violent or dangerous. I think this is an important topic because of all of the amounts of uh, mass shootings that are going on and the immediate labeling of the shooter as mentally ill. So just a heads up, there's no talk of gun control or anything political in here. Um, I know mass shootings are a sensitive topic, so this is focused mostly on debunking the myth that mentally ill people are dangerous. So the myth is that mental illness is the cause of violent acts. Why do we think this? So media comments are a big part. We often quickly label mass shooters as mentally ill before any valid psychiatric history is known, simply based on the fact that this crime is just horrible in its nature. What sane person could do such a thing? So we're trying to find a rationality within irrationality. So you might say, why did this man do this terrible thing? Because he is mentally ill. And how do you know he is mentally ill? Because he did this terrible thing. So that's kind of the mindset that goes around. A lot of people who aren't experts in mental illness tend to equate any type of bad behavior and often immorality with mental illness. This is a false equivalence. When we're talking about something as horrible as mass shootings, it's important to make sure we understand that all bad behavior and evil acts are not the same as mental illness. In fact, the media is ignoring the fact that most of the violence in society is caused by people without mental illness. So this bias deepens the stigma against mental illness, prevents people from coming out to get help, and leads to further discrimination of people with mental illnesses. So this episode will debunk this myth with evidence from research and studies, and all of the references that I use will be linked in the episode description box for anyone interested. So violence is relatively uncommon among those with serious mental health illnesses, such as schizophrenia and other psychotic states. The relationship between mental illness and violence has been shown to be more complex than initially suspected, with other risk factors being more predictive. A great deal of what is responsible for violence among people with mental illness seem to be the same factors that are responsible for violence among people without mental illness. So the most indicative risk factors of violence are substance abuse of alcohol or illicit drugs and being a young male. And studies show that these are statistically predictive of of violence in people with or without serious mental illnesses. Additionally, the mental illnesses that we're talking about, these serious ones, these conditions are uncommon, with schizophrenia affecting approximately 1% of U.S. individuals. And individuals with these conditions commit less than 10% of violent crimes. Ironically, disorders such as schizophrenia and other psychotic states that are untreated are not compatible with the planning or reality needed for organized violent attacks. So the psychosis that they're in is typically marked by disorganization, social isolation, inability to focus on a task, which would make it harder for them to commit crimes such as mass shootings. That being said, a small number of individuals with serious mental illnesses do commit acts of violence. However, as recently stated, not at a higher risk factor than people without mental illness. Additionally, individuals who are not being treated commit almost all of these acts and are also abusing alcohol or drugs. So the substance abuse in all the studies that I research, that tends to be the number one risk factor and was repeated over and over again in all these studies. All right, so mass shootings. The majority are committed by non-mentally ill people. In the studies I found, 20% of mass violence in 2020 was caused by mentally ill people, and in this past year, 2022, only 5% of mass shootings have been caused by someone with a diagnosed mental illness, and there have been over 300 mass shootings this year already. So mental illness as the primary cause of any mass murder 
specifically mass shooting, is uncommon and has been decreasing over the past years as evidenced in the statistics above. They're generally committed by young to middle-aged men who are responding to a severe and acute stressor. And these stressors include financial or social disadvantages, growing up in a household with domestic abuse, resentment or anger towards a certain group of individuals such as racism or sexism, or toxic forms of masculinity. Again, these risk factors are all significantly enhanced by substance use. Now to switch gears, we will discuss how mental illness is actually a risk factor for being victims of violence. So people with mental health conditions appear to be at an increased risk for being victims of interpersonal violence, um, which means person-on-person violence. So for instance, one study showed that 25% of people with severe mental illness had been the victim of a violent crime, whereas only 3% of the general population had been the victim of a violent crime. And this issue has attracted much less attention than violent behavior committed by people with mental illness, in spite of the fact that violent victimization of mentally ill people occurs much more frequently. The risk factors for having violence against yourself if you have mental illness is the same as causing violence. So young age, um, using substances, and in this case being homeless because you're more vulnerable. So how can we help? As mentioned before, the media has really perpetrated the stigma against mental illness and the idea that mentally ill people are dangerous. However, the percentage of mentally ill participants in violent crimes has decreased over the past years, correlating to improving treatment and increasing access to mental health care. There is still much room for improvement in terms of accessibility to mental health care. Um, And one of these that I just wanted to touch on is mental rehabilitation of prisoners. This would definitely continue to improve outcomes. So many prisoners suffer from mental illness and are not treated for it. And then when they're released, they're released back onto the streets with no sort of follow-up or care. So you can see how this would lead to a cycle of imprisonment. They're just put back out and they have no mental health care. So the same problems that landed them in prison are going to occur. So just for an example, one patient I knew was in treatment after being discharged from jail and he had no follow-up or medication sent in for him. So he ended back up in prison as his psychosis began to show again. So this could have easily been prevented if they had just set him up with a follow-up and extended his medication until he could see a doctor. This is something that could be so easily fixed and would improve not only patients' lives, but our society as a whole. Imagine all these people being rehabilitated and becoming productive people in society. One simple way that you can really make an impact is to help decrease the stigma. So be open to people who speak about their mental illness. Be open about your own if you want. Don't judge or disparage people for having an illness. I like to try to think of it as someone who is living with a different type of disease, like diabetes or having a broken foot. Those people just need insulin or a cast. It's the same idea with mental health, if that helps. And just listening and offering kind words can help shift the stigma so much you have no idea how much just one person can affect change in someone with mental illness. I have so many people in my life that they probably don't realize things that they've said to me have helped so much. In helping reduce stigma, you will be helping people get help and reducing any shame they may feel about their medication. Just listening to this podcast is helping reduce stigma. So thank you. And if you want to be more proactive, you could find volunteer opportunities at shelters or in programs through the National Alliance of Mental Illness, NAMI for short. So in summary, most individuals with serious mental illness are not dangerous, and most acts of violence are committed by individuals who are not mentally ill. 
Individuals with serious mental illness are victimized by violent acts more often than they commit these acts. And being a young male or a substance abuser of alcohol or illicit drugs is a greater risk factor for violent behavior than being mentally ill. No evidence suggests that people with serious mental illness receiving effective treatment are more dangerous than individuals in the general population. And destigmatization and proper treatment of mental illness will only continue to decrease these statistics. Thank you very much for listening. I know that was a lot of information, but I hope it helped shine some light on the topic of mental illness and violence. Next episode topic is to be determined, but for now, here's the quote of the day, and it's from Winnie the Pooh. If you weren't you, then we would all be a little less we. Thanks, and have a good one.